Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2145. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota, a city I've spent a lot of time in over the years with a very special guest by the name of Alex Bellis. Alex, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Let's punch it. I should say, are you ready to release the shutter? Because uh, you are a photographer that really knows his stuff. And I'm really happy to have you on the show because looking through your website, oh my gosh, you figured out how to shoot automobiles in a very cool, unique way. But before we get into that, I want you to share one little thing that maybe people don't know about Alex Bellis. Yeah, I. Uh, this is kind of in a past life, but, uh, I spent about five or six years racing, uh, in like chump car and world racing league with some friends. We've spent, yeah, a few years kind of traveling around in a Ford Escort ZX2 and then later a, uh, a Mark II Golf GTI. Nice. Well, two fun cars racing. So when you, when you say chump car, many of my listeners have heard that phrase before, but how would you identify chump car in a succinct couple sentence explanation? Yeah, it's changed a lot since uh, since I was racing it, but it was it's sort of a budget focused racing series that yeah, it makes it kind of it makes it more accessible for people who want to get into racing and, and kind of dip their toes into the competitive aspect of it. Yeah, great fun. It's uh, but you guys get pretty serious out there, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's very much focused on racecraft and and honing your skills and um, you know chasing people down for lap times and all that stuff and. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a ton of fun. We got to race at some really great tracks and, um, I haven't had as much time to do it lately, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely really thankful for the time that I was able to set aside to go racing with some friends. Very cool. Alex is a professional photographer specializing in creating automotive focused commercial editorial and lifestyle images. As a lifelong car enthusiast, as you heard, and a racer, he has dedicated his life to everything on four wheels, having spent several years racing vintage cars. I love that. Alex has a natural connection with anything that can go fast and a strong passion for motorsports. His thirst for travel and his ability to adapt to new surroundings quickly has made a name for himself photographing rare and exotic cars, motorsports, and car rallies around the United States. He's worked for manufacturers including Tesla, Polestar, Nissan, and publications including Diesel Power Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Retromotive, Auto Heroes, European Car Magazine, Modified Magazine, Artful Living Magazine, whew, and a lot of others. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. You know I've been an advocate for Covercraft products to protect my vehicles for decades. But did you know that they also offer you top quality products for your boats and watercraft? Covercraft puts their quality design, manufacturing, and fabrics into their full cover Bimini tops, 
T-tops, boat lift covers, outboard motor covers, personal watercraft, and accessories. Protect your marine toys from damaging UV ray, and you'll get the same high-quality fit and finish you've come to know for your road vehicles for your watercraft. And I've got a great offer for you as well. As usual, use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off, and you get some free shipping too. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you on the road and even on the water. Visit Covercraft.com today. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled or stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Jim Canova is a past guest here on Cars Yeah, and he's detailed over 8,000 vehicles. And that kind of professional experience leads to innovation. He was tired of uncomfortable stools and creepers and being down on his knees when detailing cars. So as a result, Jim thought, you know what, there must be a better way. And he invented the Bumby Seat. His unique design gets you off your knees and your bum onto a far more comfortable seating position for all your low-level automotive detailing. The Bumby seat with its patented full-flat design allows you to adjust your position to the task at hand. Convenient side trays hold your car care products, tools, cloths, or a tasty beverage. Built for the toughest driveways and garage tasks, the Bumby seat has wheels that roll easily over almost any surface and it makes a great around-the-home adjustable stool for hobbies, yard work, or take it to the car show. The full-flat design makes storage a breeze. Jim has launched an Indiegogo fundraiser, and you can get in on the start of what's sure to be an industry favorite. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Bumby Seat, that's B-U-M-B-E-E, Seat, to be one of the first in line to start improving your automotive detailing experience Today, that's Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo.com website. And when you're checking out the Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo website, make note there's a couple great discount offers for you Cars Yeah listeners. So Alex, we are back. So photography, you spoke a little bit at the beginning about your love for cars, your passion for cars, and doing some racing how did you transform into the world of photography? Is this something you've done since the beginning or is this something that evolved throughout your life into a full-time professional career? Yeah, so I've always been, um, I really actually wanted to be a car designer growing up and that was always my dream job. 
And then I ended up going to school for automotive engineering. And while I was in college, I uh, picked up a camera and kind of started shooting with that. Yeah, it just sort of evolved from there. I think my first paid shoot was for, I basically worked for gas money and I shot a local Audi club meetup in a parking lot kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I've just kind of been chasing it from there. And I've worked all sorts of other jobs in the automotive field along the way. Yeah, but now I'm, I'm lucky enough to call myself a, a full-time freelance automotive photographer. So as you got into this, since you didn't study photography in school, how did you hone your craft? Because there are so many people that are shooting these days. And with the onset of this little device we all have, everybody's uh, has become a photographer now. I won't say a very good one. But I think that these smartphones we have, they do incredible work, but they've kind of dumbed down people's expectations of what a quote-unquote great photograph is. You are a great photographer. So how did you hone your skills? What are some of the many things you did to get to where you are now? Because as I look through your website, my first thought is this guy has an eye. He knows how to shoot, but he also knows how to use the technological side of his camera. Maybe you do shoot some on your phone so that you can enhance and bring out the the true flavor of the cars that you shoot. So what was that that learning curve? I, yeah, I mean, I think nowadays a lot of people who are getting into it into photography have they just have the entirety of the internet at their disposal. I've been doing this for about fifteen years, and when I got started, there there wasn't a lot of like YouTube tutorials or anything like that on how to do any of this stuff. So the the way that I kind of got started and the way I learned how to do stuff was looking at what other photographers who I admired were doing and kind of mentally trying to deconstruct their photos and and figure out how they you know achieve the the images that they were putting out there yeah just so learning not by osmosis but by watching and educating yourself and i i I find it fascinating that you can go online now on youtube and you can learn so much about photography but you have to willing to take the time this isn't something that just in a day oh now i'm a great photographer right Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. It really is um, something you kind of have to dedicate a lot of time to, to to really hone your craft and get it well, get it well dialed in. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made a lot of friends along the way who have who are incredibly talented and have shared some of their little secrets and and that kind of stuff. And yeah. What are some of the key elements in your mind, Alex, that make up a great image? Oh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> I, mean, I think everyone has kind of their own spin on what makes a good photograph, but. Uh, in my mind, I try to keep it as true to life as possible in terms of, of color and, and tone and all that stuff so that it looks like it's something you could see with your own eyes. It doesn't look too artificial or anything like that. I, 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 want, I think it, it's cool when photos look sort of real but slightly enhanced maybe. If you have like a, an Audi A4 and you put the RS4 wheels on it or something like that, or, or the it's sort of that OEM plus look, you know, where it looks like it, it rolled off the factory floor, but maybe just a little bit tweaked. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. yeah. It's really a process and a, a learning process. And over the 15 years that you've worked as a photographer, how has your style and your look evolved? Earlier on in my career, I was kind of, uh, I would definitely get a little carried away with the editing. I would, I would tweak the colors too much, or I would put a head in yet on a lot of photos, because I just, I, for whatever reason at the time, I thought that looked cool. Or uh, like selective color, where I make everything black and white except for the car, which would be this bright pop of color. And I'd, I'd like to think that my, my tastes have evolved slightly since then. Matured and I, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
when I think of photography and great photographers, so many, and I've had so many on my show, they all have an element of style to them. And, and the great ones, and I'll pick a, a very abstract example, non-automotive, Ansel Adams. You mm-hmm. go back and study Ansel Adams, which is it's kind of like Frank Lloyd Wright for architecture, Ansel mm-hmm. Adams for photography. When you looked at his images, you go, "I okay, that's who shot that. Because he figured out a way to do things. And even in black and white, that people knew what his his look was. If you were going to advise a young photographer or an older person who wants to get into photography, how to become a great photographer and how to create their own style. So not just, I mean, it's great to copy people at first, but you want to evolve into your own thing. How would you advise them to go about picking up a camera, even if it's just their iPhone to start with and making it their own? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the, the biggest things to making a career as a photographer is to find your own style. And, you know, there's so many people out there that push presets and, and you know, buy my preset pack or, or whatever. And, you know, I think that's a good way to kind of start tinkering and get getting into photography and, and finding out what kind of styles you like. But really, yeah, it's all about developing your own style that's recognizable and down the road when you start getting hired for shoots it's it's people people will find you based off of your style your own personal style and that kind of connection to it more so than you know how many social media followers you have or anything like that i mean that stuff can can help get you in front of the right people but yeah i think having your own style is what sets you apart from everybody else and as far as kind of developing that i mean when i've had friends ask me this in the past what i usually tell them is just you know, open up Photoshop or Lightroom and just start moving sliders around and just playing with stuff until you're happy with what the photo looks like. And just kind of stick with that. Just kind of follow your heart and follow your eye and and what you think um, what you think looks best. Do you have a favorite uh, after shoot tool that you use? You know, as you mentioned, a couple there that oh, sure. you take your your images into and you like to work with them, enhance them. And obviously there's things you, you can and sometimes have to correct on a shoot, but what are, what's the, your modem of choice? Yeah. Uh, I usually stick with, uh, Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop. You can pretty much do everything you need to between the two of those, between those two programs. Yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been pretty much using those almost exclusively since I started, I think. So when you're working with a client, either an automotive manufacturer or a magazine, what are some of the, the challenges they provide you with? A lot of it, especially with working with manufacturers, it seems like the, the biggest challenge is usually deadline. There's usually a lot of tight turnaround times for the, the stuff that I've been doing anyway. And so, yeah, just trying to find, set aside time in, my, you know, in, in busy life to, to make sure I get the work done on time and sent off to the client. And yeah, and sometimes they have their own kind of set of requirements for what they want the look and feel of an image to be or, or a set of images to be. And so trying to to nail that as closely to, to what they're expecting is always a challenge. So I like to ask my guests about driving inspirations. We touched on this earlier. When you get into the creative field, whatever that is, looking at what other people are doing and learning from them is really important. But also these people can be great influencers. Uh, they can be very inspiring to our lives. Is there somebody like that in your world? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got a couple, but uh, Jeremy Cliff is a photographer out of Chicago who's incredibly talented. And we got started in photography around the same time and met through like some car forums, I think, that we were on. Yeah, I've just I've been following his career for as long as I've been doing this and just really look up to him. I haven't had the chance to work with him yet, but I've 
we've met a few times and um, he's been super, super generous with uh, kind of sending a couple clients my way if it didn't fit for his schedule or, or it was a client looking for someone in, in the Twin Cities area. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm super thankful to, to know him and be able to, I, you know, I hope to have the opportunity to actually help him out with a shoot in the future. Yeah, he's been super inspirational for me. That's a really valuable lesson you just dropped for anybody out there. And and this is in any field is reach out to your, uh, I won't call them their, your heroes, but to people you really admire. You'd be surprised how often these folks respond and want to help because I've had people reach out to me to say, uh, I, I want to be a podcaster, but I'm not sure you would tell me how to do that because why would you want competition? And I'm like, well, because I want to help people. So I'm happy to help you and, and kind of walk you through the process. And you'd be surprised, even the photography world. Now, some folks won't. They'll just ignore you. They'll think, I don't have time for you, or they're just that kind of person. Yeah. It sounds like Jeremy's the kind of guy that is willing to share. And and yeah, then you can collaborate on things. You can help each other if you have a shoot that you can't do, but you don't want to say no to the, to the customer, or the, the client, because they may never call you again. But you say, I can do that. I work with so-and-so. That's a real value bomb that you just dropped for us for business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. He's, it's just been, it's blown my mind how generous he's been with his time and, and all that stuff over the years. And uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Well, that's, that's awesome. If somebody listening out there is, well, they will be inspired by you, especially when they go to your website and see what you've done, but they want to get into this field. What's the first thing they should do? Pick up a camera. <laughs> okay. Phones are, phones are great if you don't have a camera with you. But yeah, I mean, I think getting a real camera, there's so many great cameras out there to fit almost any budget these days. I think it, it does help to start with a real, you know, a digital SLR or a mirrorless camera. And then I would say just get out there and practice. Just start taking pictures of stuff. Watch some YouTube videos or get some tutorials on, on kind of how exposure works, how ISO works, how um, shutter speed and, and um, aperture play into how a photo looks. Just make sure you, you have a good knowledge of the tool that you're using. And then, yeah, and then from there, you can kind of start to develop your own skill or, or your, own, uh, your own style of work. What worked for me really well uh, getting started was going to a lot of cars and coffee events and that kind of stuff and just meeting people yes. and just, you know, you, you start to make friends there, you start to uh, make connections and people, you know, if they see you with a camera, their first inclination is usually to say, oh, would you do a shoot for me? And so, yeah, just kind of get started that way. That's, that's what worked for me. It's a great, it's a great piece of advice. Now I have a question for you because for, I've shot a lot of photography over the years. I've hired a lot of professionals to do shoots for me back in other businesses. I worked in advertising for 11 years, so we would hire professionals to do uh, shoots for us and so forth. So I learned a lot by just watching these professionals work. And then this digital thing came along and that just revolutionized the world. I mean, I think back to the days when I would start photography and have to shoot film and the cost of that nowadays, I mean, it's virtually free uh, to just shoot a thousand shots and go through and, and learn from those, which is really cool. But my question for you is I've always shot with Nikon cameras. And last year I sold all my camera gear. Now it was rather old and with the intention of going into the new mirrorless cameras, perhaps Sony, Canon, Nikon. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that trend? I haven't done it yet. I haven't pulled the trigger yet uh, because the problem is every time I start to, I, I go, well, maybe they're going to come out with something else. It's like buying, <laughs> buying the next computer. Uh, the problem is if you wait, 
you'll never do anything, which is exactly what I've done. But I want to ask your opinion, since I've sure. always shot with the old DSLRs, and I really think I'm ready to go mirrorless. Is that a good transition for an amateur like me? Yeah, I would absolutely say so. Um, I was really hesitant to, I've been a Nikon shooter for a really long time as well, for pretty much my entire career. I was really hesitant to switch to mirrorless until the new Nikon Z9 came out, which is their kind of their flagship mirrorless camera. And it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's blown me away. I, I love my SLR or my digital SLRs as well. And I still shoot with those from time to time, but it seems like the mirrorless technology is where all of the camera manufacturers are kind of heading. And so you're going to start seeing less support for digital SLRs. There won't be as many new ones coming out. So it kind of forces your hand if you're looking to get into photography or, or, you know, kind of upgrade your gear. Mirrorless is kind of becoming the only way to go going forward here, I think. I think for me, the challenge was shifting from my beloved Nikon and at the time, Sony. Mm-hmm. And everybody I spoke with, they were great shooters, and I've had them on the show, said, don't be afraid, Sony's doing great stuff. But it seems mm-hmm. like Nikon and Canon have caught up with the Sony mirrorless. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Yeah, and I think for me it was easy to or easier to switch to uh, Nikon's mirrorless platform just because all the menus are the same. The you know the way the camera feels in my hands is really similar, so it wasn't as big of a of a transition as I thought it would be. Um, yeah, it's a little weird having a screen for a viewfinder instead of looking through what the the lens is doing, but some benefits to that too that I'm finding. So yeah, I, so far I mean I just made the switch like a little over a month ago now, I think. And yeah, so far, so good. Okay. Well, maybe I'll start to to look at that before I pull the trigger. Of course, the, the challenge is uh, once I've sold all my older stuff, it's all the new lenses and uh, it starts to get a little pricey. It uh, does. It yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, it's not as much used equipment out there to buy at the moment either, which is unfortunate. But yeah, there will be. It'll change. We'll take a short break. Thank our sponsors. We come back. want to talk about a challenge you've come across in your career. So keep that thought in mind, and we'll be right back. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail-order catalog company has grown into a multi-website-based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. AutoGeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. 
and be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So I like to ask this question, big challenge, big failure, big obstacle, something you had to overcome. But the more important part of this is the learning lesson. If we don't push ourselves, just like in racing, we don't get better. So uh, walk us through a bit of a challenging time. Yeah, uh, let's see. I think this was January or February of 2021. I managed to book a shoot with Tesla and they're actually coming to Minneapolis and we were going to do a shoot up in the Great White North and, and freeze our butts off. And um, it was sort of a, a rapid fire shoot. There wasn't a lot of time to plan or anything like that. And literally the day before the shoot was supposed to happen, uh, the shutter failed on my Nikon D850. I didn't have a, a backup. I didn't oh, have no. a, I had I had other older cameras, but I had, had really, you know, that was the tool for the job, I thought. And so, yeah, so I was scrambling trying to figure out how quickly can I get one? Would any ca- local camera shops have one in stock? And everyone just kind of laughed and laughed it off and said, you're never going to find one. And um, I, I have a hard time asking people for help sometimes, but I reached out to another one of your podcast guests, actually, uh, Steve Bernstein, who's Steve. local. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Steve. And um, yeah, I know he shoots with Nikon gear as well. And he very, very generously lent me his uh, his D850 for the weekend so I could do the shoot. And, um, yeah, so I, what I really learned from that is that it's very valuable to have a backup body, even if it's something that you're not going to use very often. Um, and it can be expensive just to have another camera sitting there a lot of the time when you don't necessarily need it. It's, it's absolutely worth its weight in gold when, uh, an issue comes up and you do need a second camera or, um, your main camera has an issue and, and you can't use it. So, yeah, that that's definitely what I learned from that trip, and also that it's okay to ask people for help sometimes, and that you'll be amazed at how generous your your friends can be. Two huge lessons you learned there, but uh, yeah, having a backup uh, absolutely key, and having been on so many shoots as I've been in with professionals, yeah, they they typically always would show up with multiple camera backups, they even have multiple lens backups. Uh, they would bring, and especially as you get into uh, digital photography and they bring a big big screen apple so we can look at the shots on a big screen and but uh, oh my gosh i can't imagine you 
<laughs> had to be a horrible feeling, but Steve comes to the rescue. Yay. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty nice. Thank him enough. He's such a great guy. Yeah, he is a super guy. Absolutely. If any of you listeners missed my talk with Steve, Steve and I go way, way back to junior high and high school. Uh, grew up together, and then we kind of parted ways as we ran off to college, and then we reconnected at a SEMA show. And so, uh, yeah, now we're uh, buddies again, but we're old. Long, long ago surf buddies and, and uh, beach hangout buddies way back in the day. Plus, we both had uh, Volkswagens in high school, so that's pretty cool. So when you look ahead as far as a bucket list for your career, are there some things that you haven't done yet that you really would love to do? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm still shocked and humbled all the time just with all the opportunities that I have been given. I would love to work with more manufacturers out there or big companies and kind of help them help capture their vision and share it with the world. I think there's there's so many talented photographers out there, but um, yeah, I would, I would love the chance to work with some of these bigger brands more often. And if that doesn't work out, I'd love to shoot more motorsports. There's, there's so many great motorsports events out there. I don't think I'll ever forget the times that I've been to the Monterey Historics, for instance. And there's definitely a lot of other big events that are on my bucket list, like Goodwood Festival of Speed or one of the members meetings or something like that. It'd be just an absolute riot to shoot one of those. So, yeah, those are kind of some of my bucket list. I would think working with manufacturers is really key. And one of the things having I've hired so many photographers to shoot for me when I was part of running a company is a simple thing. But you don't really think of it is. Like be professional, learn how to be professional with a corporation setting, show mm -hmm. up uh, on time or better yet early, uh, stay late, get do whatever to get the job done. And a lot of folks aren't used to working in that environment if they're freelance and so forth. And that switch can be a bit of a challenge for people sometimes because it's very strict, very restrictive. Many times, uh, if you're lucky, they just say, do whatever you want. We'll love it. But that's pretty rare, right? Yeah. And there's always like brand standards that you have to work within. And um, yeah, there's always, it's always more of a challenge, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun challenge. It's a new experience or it can be a new experience. And um, yeah. Big exposures. So let's talk about a special vehicle in your life, a car that you've had that really stands out. Uh, now, is this a car that I've owned or a it car could, that I've owned? It could be a car you've owned, although I've had some people talk about cars that were their grandpas or their dads or, in some cases, a car that they would aspire to have and why. Yeah, for me, I think probably the most special car that I've owned is uh, a 94 Miata named Bruce. <laughs> I, I actually didn't name it. The previous owner did, but... Uh, you I kept just, his name. Yeah, I decided to keep the name. Why not? Yeah, I bought the car probably about 10 years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, I only had it for about four months and I was driving it to work and some lady ran a stop sign oh, and teed on me. Oh no. And it was such a fun car. And so I thought that it was gone forever at that point until about six years later, it popped up for sale on Craigslist and it was about eight blocks from my house. Uh, this older gentleman had bought it and had a buddy with a body shop that managed to fix it all. And he put a new top on it and and uh, and then gave it to his wife to drive as like her her summer car. And so they had the car for, you know, five or six years at that point. Um, and it only put maybe 10,000 miles on it. And then we're listing it for sale because he wanted something else. And there's just a couple of little cues to the car that I was like, I'm pretty sure this is mine or used to be mine. And um, yeah, so I had a spare key from when I had owned the car. And so I showed up to, I called the guy and I showed up to test drive it and I brought my own key. Oh with. my God. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I used to own this car. Uh, can I, you know, I, I'd love to buy it and own it again because, you know, my time with the car was cut so short. 
And turns out, yeah, it was the same car that I had. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I made him an offer and and bought the car back, and I've had it for the last three or four years now since. And, yeah, I absolutely love it. I think it's a car that I'll probably keep forever or as long as I can anyway. Bruce Resurrected. That's interesting. Wow. That's great. That's crazy. You're a rare guy, too. I don't know too many people that have been in a crash car and would want to have it back. So uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, yeah. definitely had a bond with Bruce. Well, it's kind of like a boat. They say when you buy a boat, you're not supposed to change the name. It's bad luck. So I'm glad yep. glad uh, the name stayed the same. Turns out I, got the, I got the bad luck out of the way early, I think, with that one. Yeah. Well, and getting T-boned in one of those, you're you're fortunate. Uh, those are little cars. And yeah. Yeah. That you're still walking around after that. Wow. Scary times. So Let's talk about getting into your head a little bit here. Uh, As your car psychologist today, I'm going to ask you this question. If you were resurrected, manifest, or resurrected, since like Bruce, or you were reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be and why? I think I would like to be reincarnated as a Safari 911. Uh, I just, those cars are super fun. They they look cool in every single setting. Not not to say that I look cool, but... uh, (laughs) You know, they're sort of a jack of all trades. You know, you can drive them anywhere. They're always up. It seems like kind of like a puppy. Like they're always up for a good time. Yeah. Well, there's not too many sports cars that you could do that to. Right. That would still be reliable. And I've had several guests on this show that build those things for people. I have a friend who's having one built for him right now that he likes to go camping and he wants to tow it behind his camper and then, you know, pull into a campsite, set up the thing and then get in his car and drive it. I've got to think it's pretty funny when you roll into a campground and you're pulling a Safari 911 behind your tray, (laughs) you know, your camper or whatever it is you're driving. Awesome. Is there a great book that you've read that you'd like to share? You know, I was thinking about that. I'm a big fan of The Unfair Advantage by Mark Donahue. Like I've said, cars kind of just that that's kind of my whole life. Um, so, of course, the yeah, the one of the more inspirational books I've read was racing related. But, yeah, I just I thought it was a great book and it shows it kind of gives you that uh, that mindset that you have to be crafty sometimes to get what you want and, and kind of have to look outside the rules and, and come up with your own set of rules sometimes to get to where you need to go. Mark was uh, a, a true engineer. Um, he was a you know a driver's driver, if you will. He knew so much about the technical side. Some some you know drivers are just great drivers. They just get in the car and they drive. But he he knew the other side. I had his son David on my show not too long ago, right before he drove up. Uh, his, I don't know how many times he's driven up Pikes Peak now, but uh, before the last Pikes Peak a month or so ago, and he spoke a lot about his dad, and and that was his book of choice too. I've got that on my shelf as well. It's a it's a great read. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive today. I'm going to buy you okay. any car you'd like in the world. You can take it anywhere, and you can be with anybody, even somebody who's deceased. So what does the ultimate drive look like for Alex Bellis? Ooh, that's a good question. My all time favorite dream car is the uh, the McLaren F1. Yeah. And so I, for me, it would be taking a McLaren F1 and um, maybe I would trade off riding and driving with uh, Gordon Murray, the, the genius behind the car, as we uh, maybe traverse across Europe and hit some of the best driving roads. I think that would be an amazing adventure. And, and I think he seems like a really interesting guy with just so much knowledge of cars and setup and, and how they should be. And I love his vision for um, for what a car should be. No kidding. Wow. You're, you're no cheap date here, uh, buddy. That's, <laughs> hey, a, that's yeah. like, I know I, I offered. Yeah. It's a awesome, awesome car. I'll tell you, I've been to Pebble Beach Car Week many, many times and went again this year and I think it was my 32nd year or something. I took my son probably 18 times with me and we were there once. He was probably about 
10 or 11, I think. And we were in front of the lodge a few days before the the big Concours event, the Pebble Beach Concours. And this guy drove up in a McLaren F1, Colorado plates, covered with bugs on the front of the car. <laughs> and he got out and, I, and my son goes, Dad, there's a McLaren. And we went over to say hello to him. And he let my son sit in the car. And I said, do you just drive here from Colorado? And he goes, yep. I'm like, my hat's off to you, dude. I mean, what a cool, yeah. He goes, that was a fun drive. Now those cars have, oh, they become unobtainium. They become like the new GTO from a price and collectability standard. This was back when they were still expensive. I think they were close to a million dollars new, but um, they weren't where they are now in these stratospheric numbers. So what is about the McLaren F1 you like so much? You know, I think it it came out of a time in my life when I was kind of just starting to really fall in love with cars and you know it it just it broke so many records and it did so many things that nobody else was doing yeah just the central driving position and all that stuff it's just it's it's an engineering marvel and um i think that that car is definitely part of what inspired me to go to school for automotive engineering even if that isn't a career path i ended up following for very long but uh yeah it's it's just such a cool car and um i've been fortunate enough to shoot a couple of them over the years and spend some time around them and yeah that that car will never fail to inspire me and, and kind of um, mesmerize me cruising across europe with gordon murray in a f1 yeah nice trip so you've taken us on a great trip today and i'm i'm really happy that we connected i want to do a shout out thank you to our friend steve bernstein he's a past cars yeah guest a, a photographer he's a doctor he's a very very talented guy and he's the one that introduced me to alex so steve thank you very much how can people learn more about you and your photography yeah, I think the easiest way for people to, to find me is through my website, alexbellisphoto.com, or they can connect with me on Instagram, which is at alexbellisphoto, uh, or find me on Facebook. And uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest way for people to stay in touch. I'll put links to all of these on Alex's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Bellis is B-E-L-L-U-S. I encourage you to check out Alex's website because his imagery, oh my gosh, is so cool. Now I know why Steve said you got to have this guy on your show because he's incredible. And Steve has said some very kind things too about you and how you've helped and inspired him uh, through his process of becoming an even better and better photographer. Uh, he's got a great eye too. So uh Nicely done. I'll put all those links there. Alex, thanks for being so generous today with your time. Well, you're welcome. This has been great fun. Until you and I talk again, my friend, hopefully I'll see you uh, down the road at a racetrack or a car event uh, doing some of your magic. I hope so too. That would be great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!